Interest rates? Who cares about interest rates? You got big tech ripping again. We got to talk about the ETF effect. If you're long Comcast right now, you're not a happy camper. Job numbers, 830. Do they matter? Reese Snyder, 835. It's a Friday. Downtown Detroit. Pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We're starting out in the green. 33 and a quarter handles, no resistance, right? 5K, nice round number. 49.62 is your last print. The buck is backing off a little bit, down a nickel, 102.82 and a half. Bonds down a quarter point, just under 124. Crude, been volatile, down 28 cents at 73.54. We'll talk some oil earnings. Gold up a buck, 2072. Silver back in the 23 handle, up a couple pennies. Bitcoin above 43K, up 180 bucks at 43,455. Let's bring in Triple D and Triple D. The party continues in Techland. Oh my goodness. The party continues in Zuckland. I love the title of the show, What the Zuck, because it is this market and nobody saw this coming. I mean, nobody. Everybody with their prediction, and including myself, thought that Meta would have a tough time going higher because it's run so far. And we all had it wrong because Zuck. Obviously, had some other stuff up up his sleeve here. A B, bring you in here. What's going on, Meta? Holy mackerel! It won't stop going up. Yeah, let's get to the numbers real quick. And I do got I forget who it was, but someone in the chat the other day did point out because when we were talking about how high the expectations were for tech stocks, they said, "Well, you know, Google's ad numbers actually came in lower than expected. That kind of lowers the bar of expectations for Meta." And they were right because. Uh, I don't think the market was expecting, you know, exactly this strong in numbers from Meta. EPS five dollars and thirty three cents beat the four bucks and ninety five estimates. Sales beat by about a billion. But that's not really what the market cares about. the The company announced a dividend, fifty cents a share, for the first time in its history, as wow. well as a fifty billion dollar share buyback. So I think oh, this is oh, oh. further confirmation from the company of them just saying, "Hey, look, you know that that profit cutting or that that uh, you know spending cost cutting. Cu- cost cutting initiative we went on last year." And, and the focus on profit, it's working because look at this. We saved so much money. We have $50 billion to buy back our stock. We're going to offer our investors a dividend. So for the people that were saying last year or a year and a half ago when Meta got down to like $100 that, hey, this is a value stock now, they've, they're vindicated because- Oh my gosh, are they ever vindicated? If you were buying Meta when it got under $100 and you held it this long, congratulations, you are- an unbelievable investor, we'll say. Buying, you know, pure Buffett, buying when everybody else, you know, is scared to death. And then, you know, just rolling and it keeps rolling. And people can't believe it can go higher. Well, I mean, 
They did everything right. $50 billion buyback. We know Apple has driven its entire last three to four years of earnings off of buybacks. You know, the growth hasn't been there for the last two years, but the buybacks have, you know, they just bought the stock and that's, you know, bringing that share count down, brings that EPS up. So if you can't grow the earnings, you bring those shares down, the EPS goes up. I mean, so now they're going to play that game here too. Unbelievable quarter for Meta. So, you know, where does it go from here? Well, stocks at all time highs. You know, when our stocks are all time highs, I don't short stocks at all time highs. There'll be a thousand people saying today, short meta or sell meta. This can't last. This is a ridiculous move. It's overvalued, all the hype. This is the market where the overvalued stocks gets more overvalued. That's the, uh, the market the that we're in too. right now. I mean, paying a dividend. I mean, how many people saw that coming down? Nobody. No. Uh, the buyback. I mean, they're just showing confidence of the company doing a buyback when the stock is at these levels, too. I mean, I guess the only thing they didn't throw in there was a stock split, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> what? Trifecta. Just, yeah, save it for that. Um, I'll just give you the pre-market high. Pre-market high comes in at 465. 67 you can use that as a level look for some follow-through right now we're probably way over the expected move as well so if it does come in at all we'll look to see uh, if it can hold the expected move but right now that's the only number i could give you they're throwing some volume around here and uh that's one of uh really two great reports that we had after yep. the close yeah the we'll amazon because it's the other good one just real quick before I move on from Meta, I was looking at the option chain real quick, Dennis. Oh, uh, so share price is at $463 right now. We'll call it that. Sure. Can you guess what the 460 so $3 below the share price right now, the 460s that expire today, what they were trading at at close yesterday? 50 cents? 18 cents. Oh. <laughs> so anyone who bought those 460 calls was like, hey, I think this thing's going to go up 20%. People are probably like, you're crazy. But if you yeah, yeah, I'll sell you that all day long. I'd sell those options all oh, day long. That looked like a free 18 cents. <laughs> what about the this... straddle? Can you, can you calculate the straddle? Yeah. There? So the expected move coming in was actually quite significant, Joel. Um, it's more than you think. Like, I didn't know the expected move was going to be that much. But I guess the $394 stock it was 20. It was 24 bucks. Straddle coming it, in was twenty four dollars. What seventy? Oh yeah, oh, so you're getting hurt. Wait, wait, if you wrote, if you sold the straddle on this one, you're crawling under your desk. If you sold options on this one, you know, if you sold puts, you're laughing. But if you sold any calls, you're like, ah, you're under your desk and you're you're looking for cover there. So, so I'm, I'm curious what those. <laughs> I've been will... there, done that. I'm I wrote cur... options for a lot of years. I've been on the wrong side. Remember the Apple? Yeah, Did I wrote Apple. Yeah, yeah. Did. I wrote yeah. Apple calls. That was like you go mistake. on Facebook, Aaron. You no, because I, I, I went like I have an account. I don't use it. And I went on after you know, the report just to check it out. And I, it seems like they really changed it. Uh, OK, so there are two. This is kind of funny, but there are two things that I know, like people my age, people in their 20s that still use Facebook for. And you'll never guess what the two things are. Marketplace. Yes. Okay. That's one of them. So if you're, if you, if you, if I use marketplace, if you're, I sell my firewood on marketplace, if you're moving, like if you get a new apartment and you want to buy a couch or something, I know people that still use marketplace, but the second one is, is kind of even funnier. So, uh, it's mostly young women have these Facebook groups for every single major city in the United States. So you can go on and say, and, and it's a Facebook group called, are we dating the same guy, Detroit? 
and they'll just post a picture of their boyfriend. They'll post a picture of their boyfriend, and there'll be like five comments be like, yeah, we went on a date last week. And then the girls will be like, oh, my God. So my, my boyfriend's seen other people. Oh so gosh. that's the, the two things that I know that young people are still that's using ridiculous. Facebook for. Are we dating this the same world, guy? What does this world come to? Uh, are we dating More the same than guy? One girlfriend you can't even. And boyfriend. You can't even can't even cheat on a girl now because I know all right let's move on to Amazon. definitely would not be on Facebook if I was in high school or college I mean come on uh, oh, holy yeah. mackerel. <laughs> you can't help it you're on Facebook though because if you're not videoing somebody else is taking a video of you and putting it on Facebook <laughs> So, you know, you can't even help but be on Facebook. There's Joel in the background. <laughs> Dirty dancing with some girl over there. Lisa, what's going on there? <laughs> uh, all right, That's let's good. move on to Amazon. So stock trading up over 7% this morning. Let's get the numbers pulled up. And our trusty Benzinga Pro uh, EPS came in at a dollar, beat the 80 cents estimate. Sales came in $170 billion versus $166 billion estimate. So, I mean, Amazon has this track record of delivering on earnings. Delivered again beat on both EPS and revenue. Uh, uh, the Amazon North American se- uh, s- segment sales increased 12% year over year. So you're seeing just solid growth uh, both in AWS and in sales overall for Amazon. Stock getting rewarded this morning. And like you said, uh, Dennis, I mean, we had two great reports after the close yesterday. Yeah, fantastic. Both these came before Apple. So uh, let's talk the Amazon report just briefly. Uh, my wife's still on this in her long-term account. It's the biggest position in her uh, retirement account. Um, and she's very happy about that. Reason I bought it back then was one, she wanted Amazon because the Amazon trucks here every single day. But two is it was just a mega cap tech that I thought eventually would come back. So we bought around just over $100 uh, just about a year ago. And it's been a pretty good year for Amazon. So it's up about 70% since we bought it there. So it's been a good move up at 170 here. Holden. 174.50 at your pre-market high, up 11 bucks. And just a little bit more of a tame move because it's a higher price stock. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that 174.50 level. Uh, let's let's do the bat report now, and then we'll go into the ETF effect because now I'm I'm looking at look at Comcast down a buck and a quarter. But uh, give the Apple numbers here trading down 578. That's over three percent. So just before we go to the Apple numbers here, and if you keep them on the screen, um, we saw Amazon rip higher. We saw Meta rip higher. And I'm like, holy mackerel, Apple is going to have to do something very special to go higher. So I tweeted out, and I did tweet this out before 430, because I already had the feeling that they probably weren't going to be able to, you know, do a special thing as they were going to need. Um, I can get my exact tweet here, but this was right before 4.30. So follow me on Twitter, folks. I'm giving out information after hours, too, before it. Um, but you knew it. So I said, Meta, Amazon, rip higher. Not good news for Apple. It reports at 4.30 ETF effects. So what was going to have to happen is Apple was going to absolutely have to blow it away to go higher because the, the, the market makers don't like to take the queues up 10 bucks. You know, it's up four right now. If Apple blows it away, it was going to have to be up just extraordinary amount. In all likelihood, they were going to look at Meta blowing it away and at Amazon blowing it away, and Apple really need to blow away. If they came in and they absolutely blew it away, announced more buybacks, announced an increase to the dividend, all that stuff, it could have went higher. But if they were just coming in and just beating, it wasn't going to be good enough because of Amazon 
in Meta. And this is the ETF effects at play, folks. So give us those numbers. All right. So for Apple, you had sales come in at 119 billion, beat the 118 billion estimate. EPS, two bucks and 18 cents, beat the two dollars and 10 cent estimate. So Apple did beat on both EPS uh, and sales top line. But right here is, uh, oh, I don't know what's going on with my screen, but right here, uh, Apple Greater China sales 20.8 billion down from 20, we'll call it 24 billion year over year. So that's a very significant when you're talking 24 billion to around 21, that's more than 10% of Apple's sales in China down year over year, which I mean, like if you're Apple, Tesla, whatever, there's all this talk about China. At the end of the day, China is still one of their biggest markets. So they don't yeah. like to see uh, you know, that I mean, that's almost look, America sales. 50 billion, China 20. So China sales are almost half of what they do in America, a little bit less. And you're seeing a big 10% decrease year over year. Uh, and the market doesn't like that. And I think, uh, you know, so outside of just the ETF effect, if you're wondering why is Apple trading down? There's some fundamental reasons here too. It's not all ETF effects here. We're going to get into what else is getting affected by ETF effects as well. And it's more than Apple, but it was going to have to really blow it away. They were going to try to find a reason to sell Apple is what I was saying, even going into the report. Um, Gene Munster, who we've had on the show a million times, we're good friends with Gene Munster. Um, I always love when he does a commentary because he digs right in there and he's got this. I'm just going to read this tweet from Gene. He says, now that I've had time to process Apple guidance, I expect revenue to be down 5% year over year in March 2024. That's not good news. If not for FX, revenue would be down 3%. And he loves Previously, Apple. the street had expected revenue to be up 1%. So they're having a revenue problem here. They are not growing right now. And we know Vision Pro, they've got some stuff coming. But again, the iPhone, you know, you got one right here. It's just, you know, it is what it is. It's a cash cow. People go in there, but it's not growing. People aren't going and buying two iPhones. So it's hard to grow that business. Everybody who has an iPhone has an iPhone. And everybody doesn't upgrade every single cycle. You know, you try to get an upgrade, but it's like, oh, I get a little better camera. You know, I upgrade every like six cycles. Most people probably upgrade every two or three. Uh, continuing this commentary, though, what Apple is saying is last year's March 23 quarter had a $5 billion benefit from sales that got pushed from December 22 into March 23 because of iPhone COVID production shutdowns. So I checked, and he, this is from Gene, I checked the March 23rd transcript and the positive impact was not mentioned. Lucas suggests adjusting for last year, revenue will be flat year over year this March. I understand he's trying to give investors a true look at what the underlying growth of the business is, flat March. That said, if he's asking us to back it out this March, he should have called it out a year ago when it was a $5 billion positive benefit. I'm okay with calling out FX and pent up demand. My ask to be consistent when it's positive and negative. So last year, they're saying they got a $5 billion, just to sum up you know, what Gene's saying here, a $5 billion benefit in the 23 sales. And that's why the sales were higher. And this year, they're not going to get that benefit. So that's why the sales are going to be down. Well, it is. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So you didn't really point out you were getting this huge benefit when you were given the numbers last year. But now you're saying, well, it's only down because we had this huge benefit the previous year. So, I mean, none of this really makes me feel warm and fuzzy as an Apple shareholder that they're kind of, they're, they're saying all truth here, but they're highlighting, you know, different pieces at different times here to make the revenue not look like it's declining. I don't like that at all either. So Anything I don't like the Pro? perception of this. 
Um, and you know, I don't own Apple, but I'll tell you, as of this point right now here, Apple is the Apple and Tesla are the two magnificent seven stocks that are out of favor. Well, Google, I guess now too, because it fell the other day. Starting to get separation here in this magnificent seven. It might not be the year where they all go higher. So I don't know if they said anything on on Vision Pro specifically, but okay. Tim Cook did tease something when it comes to AI. Uh, he said expect you know some big things from Apple when it comes to AI later this year. So when Dennis and I we talked about this yesterday, how just secretive Apple is. So you yeah. got you got kind of a a little tease there from from Tim Cook. Tim Cook mentions AI for the first time in prepared remarks on earnings call. Munster says welcome Apple to generative AI steamroller. So again, nothing on the on the horizon or I guess in the short term for Apple and AI right now, but something a little bit down the road, maybe six months later this year, we'll hear more from Apple when it comes to what they're doing on AI. Uh, Joel, looking at the chart right here, I mean, it looks like we're in a very, very, very important, important spot. area. I was yeah. going to say that. Yeah. Are you yeah. proud very of me important. looking at the chart like this? Because <laughs> if it jumps out to you right away, the longer you have to look at a yeah. chart, that the, the more more complicated it could be. I just want to say the street, except for yesterday, was leading the right way into this report with, I believe, with five or six down days in a row. Uh, but this 180, I mean, that just jumps out to you. That was uh, the area of a bunch of lows uh, back in January, pre-market low right in that area. So not only a good number for today, but I think moving forward, uh, really important for Apple to hold the 180. And uh, I just asked about the Vision Pro because that, uh, you know, that's something that's supposed to be uh, adding to it. But uh, when you get negative comments out of Gene Munster like that, we'll dial up Gene at right after the earnings sure. season. He's busy crunching numbers. But uh, it's been a trend of declining revenues and, you know, the street right now. When you have companies going in the opposite direction, it's falling out of favor. Microsoft is already overtaking it as the biggest component in the S&P. And, and Microsoft is in favor because they see Microsoft as an AI play and they're not putting Apple as an AI play right now. And that's the biggest problem for Tesla and Apple right now because these are not like, you know, jumping in. And, you know, I, I do believe Tesla is going to be a huge AI play and in the humanoid aspect, but its story is a little further down the line. The Apple story with this Vision Pro is a little further down the line. The story is not here today. And that's the problem for Tesla and Apple the most, is that the Microsoft story is here today. NVIDIA's story is here today. Amazon's story and Meta story, well, the Meta story is just here today because <laughs> of what you know they, they did on that earnings report. But, I mean, the stories that are here and now is obviously, you know, SMCI. I mean, just take it back to that here, too. Does the stock go up every day? I mean, it's gone just crazy now. I didn't it even see that it was above one, $600. It pulls back for one day. One it day that... it pulls back hard. I mean, I look like I had the best sale in the world at three, four, five forty-seven. I sold half my position because I was just like, wow, you know, I've doubled my money and it's gone a long way. It's doubled. The stock's doubled in a month. Feels like it's like a little bit overdone. Pulls back to 501 and then rallies 100 points in the next 24 hours. I mean, this wasn't another earnings report, folks. This is just people that can't well, stop buying the stock. Well, and like I said, the valuation might be able to support this. And, you know, obviously, you know, we had T3 on and they were talking about this stock as well and just saying, hey, if you believe these numbers and, you know, unless it's a complete sham was what the, T, the T3 I think was David was the one saying that, wasn't it? Yeah, David, David Prince. Prince. Yep. Yeah, it was David, David Prince. Um, he was saying, if you believe these numbers, if these numbers are real and he thinks they are, 
um, this stock's going to revalue higher. And that's what you're seeing happen. I still have half my SMCI position, which is more than I originally put into it because the stocks went up so damn much. But I mean, NVIDIA too. I bought more NVIDIA two days ago and people were just throwing it at me on Twitter saying, you just bought the top, Dennis. You just bought the top. Hey, you know what? I didn't buy the, buy the top. Because it's making a new high again. Wow. The strong <laughs> gets stronger. The weak get weaker, folks. That's the, mar- that's the market we've been in for a long time. That continues to be the market. You have to be a little concerned, too, that uh, that Apple threw in the AI, you know, the AI plug. I mean, that's always good for, you know, some kind of boost. So they they're even, trying. They pulled they even pulled the stop out on that. So uh, but uh, well, I think it's it's like I mean, we like he, like Dennis said, when we were looking at the numbers. There's clearly a growth problem for Apple right now, a slight revenue problem. And if you're if you don't have something, an AI story that's working for you right now and you're not showing growth. Well, the market's just going to say, hey, right, well, let's go to the stocks that are. Let's go to the Metas and the Microsofts and the NVIDIAs of the world because they are, you know, making money off AI right now and have that growth, whereas yeah. Apple doesn't. And then you got to wait longer. So, uh, you know, again, I, I have no doubt that eventually we, we will see that AI story come in from Apple. And if the growth slows down, which it's showing it is. And the stock gets hammered, we'll probably see something similar to what we saw with Meta. Maybe not as pronounced where you saw an 80% drawdown with Meta, but you'll see people say, okay, we don't want to own Apple stock anymore. And then you'll see the share price get down to a point where it becomes valuable, even if there is no growth, saying that, okay, if Apple stock is at, say, $120 a share, and I don't think it'll actually get down there. No, but then, I don't think so either. But in, and you're saying, okay, they have a growth problem, but they're still bringing in X amount of billions of dollars a quarter, then there will be value in there at a certain point. So I'll, I'm just going to sit back and watch Apple if it becomes uh, you know, more out of favor based on this than... There's one thing that you gotta you gotta be concerned about if you're an Apple shareholder. One thing and one thing only. You know what that is? Uh, no. Samsung Galaxy. Uh no. Oh. Warren. Warren? Oh, Warren. Warren, oh, Warren decided oh, to register. That's that's ten. He never get a salary. He's holding that until the day he dies, which you know he's which, ninety some years yeah, old now. It's I'm, not I'm, like a thousand years into the future here. So uh yeah, he's never selling Apple. I'm not worried about that at all. I think, you know, and Brian Shannon maybe says it the best on Twitter. If you don't follow Brian, you know, I'm friends with Brian. Great follow. Um, he says, you know, when these stocks are dipping, don't buy the initial dip buy the strength after the dip. And that's the you know greatest you know advice that I can think of on Twitter here is like, that's so true. People come and just blindly buy the dip on the initial dip and say, yeah, this is it, I'm buying. It's gonna bounce here eventually. And what happens is, you know, that continues to leak a lot of times. You need like an analyst, a vote of confidence, something to come in to turn the story around a lot of times. Or you need the entire market just to keep ripping higher. But um, I think that's the best, you know, thing you can do is sometimes just wait. Don't get so hungry. I got to buy Apple at 180 because it's support there and it's going to bounce there. Well, what happens when it doesn't bounce there? Are you going to sell it at 179? It's okay. You want to buy it at 181 and say it's going to bounce at 180. That's a okay. Better sell at 179 though when it doesn't bounce because if your thesis is it's bounced at 180 and it goes to 179. That's not a bounce at 180. That's a failure to bounce at 180, and that changes everything. So right. you can put that out for a trade. But from a long-term investing perspective here, there's stocks that are in favor right now, and there's stocks that are out of favor. I don't know. It's got to change, and maybe it does. But this AI story, folks, isn't going away. And people aren't all over the Apple saying AI, AI, AI. They're saying iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. So until the Apple story starts to actually talk, 
more about, you know, and the Vision Pro takes off. Maybe Vision Pro is a game changer, but it is big and clunky, folks. I like the technology, but it yeah. doesn't look like I want to go buy it and put this on my head. I'm not going scuba diving. Apple's out of favor until further notice. A good example of this from yesterday was the Qualcomm. Remember, we talked about yep. it. It was a it was a decent report, but they didn't like the guidance. We talked about the 140 area. It did get down to 140 yesterday. It did. It did give, it give you a bounce. So if you want to lean on it, maybe a day or two, a little bit of consolidation, a higher low, and then, you know, get the bears out, get the sellers out, clean them out, see what some – but at least you got – at least you got something. Uh, you got something to lean on, right? With uh, with that low from yesterday, uh, eight twenty-five. We're coming up on the yep, jobs so report. We do got, a little preview of that. Yeah, five minutes to the non-farm payrolls again. We got some labor data yesterday, but today's the big day. Today's the one that the market cares about more. Uh, so U.S. non-farm payrolls is expected to come in at a hundred and eighty-five thousand. That's against two hundred and sixteen thousand last month. The unemployment rate is expected to increase from 3.7% to 3.8%. Um, so, you know, it's it's just like we I mean, talk about with tech earnings, the expectations high, the bar is set high. There's an expectation now that you do see less jobs and unemployment tick higher. Uh, and, I mean, we can guess all we want on how the market's going to react to it, but I have a feeling that if, if, if you don't see that unemployment number tick a little bit higher, then maybe some some wind is taken out of the sails here because people are like, okay, well, now the Fed's, you know, they already said they're not going to cut in March. So if the labor market stays super hot, maybe they're not going to cut even beyond that. Yeah, again, we now care again. Like we were caring, right. caring as much. And maybe all of a sudden, to your point, Aaron, we do care about this number. We don't want this number to be hot. We don't want to see everybody get a job. Well, because I want to be right ever again. <laughs> I want it to be hot because I'd rather, you know, I'd, I'd rather see the unemployment number go as low as it po- as low as possible and as many jobs as possible. I just don't think the market's going to. It's funny uh, that we cheer against the number. Oh, my and I God. Think the mar- I, I think you're it. right. I think the market is cheering against the number. I think they'd sell off on a hot number. We got so many stocks holding us up here. Yeah, let's, let's like Meta isn't giving back the game. Right. So we talked Amazon about tech. Look like it wants to get back its gain. Apple's its own thing, world here right now. It's going to be an interesting number. I am going to go wide for this, so it could move around. The biggest issue that you're going to see move off this is the banks. And we haven't talked to KRE, but it's the boogeyman in the room, folks. It's the one thing that could derail the entire market. If you start to see the banks collapse again, although so far so good, they're ignoring the KRE. It was an ugly day yesterday. Not a lot of two-day moves. The KRE falls like 13% in two days. But that's what we saw. Obviously, NYCB, the initial catalyst, yesterday they were taken you know, to the woodshed, WAL and a bunch of other regional banks saying, oh my goodness, these mortgage bucks, they didn't get any better. Shocking. But this is where we're at is these stocks are probably the ones that are going to care the most because they don't want higher rates for no, a long time. They can't, they can't, they can't. They don't want to stomach it. They want rate cuts now because these banks that are, you know, got these long-term mortgages on here, don't want to keep, you know, you keep, you know, getting money from you at 3% and paying 6%. So or 5%. They're inverted. So they want rates down. So nobody needs the rates down more than the KRE. So keep an eye on that. If we get a hot number, KRE could go south in a hurry. Uh, I do have some breaking news coming in right now. 
Puxatani Phil did not see his shadow. It is Groundhog Day. We will be oh seeing. Oh my in, gosh! I we forgot. will be seeing in early spring. So, uh, in case you thought it was all about earnings and jobs and labor data today, Holy. no, we have other leading indicators as well. Puxatani Phil again did not did see not his see the shadow, did so he stays out of his hole and just enjoys the next six weeks. That's what happens, right? I don't. I, yeah, I, I just know early. I just know early spring, which means that Joel and I are going to be hitting the hitting the golf course I, a little bit earlier this year. Did, did did winter ever come? Because I am <laughs> up here in Georgian Bay, where winter is usually just piles of snow, and it is mild here. The bay is barely frozen. I don't even think you can walk on. I've never seen February first. You can't walk on the bay, but it's crazy mild here. It's been above freezing. I feel like for a month. We had like one week below freezing, but 20, 20 seconds here. We're not going to go yep. and talk about the weather. We got nope. more important things to talk about. So let's go. I'm going to hide in the background for two seconds. Yep. And I'm very going to move. I've got my Benzinga pro pulled up. Let me just share it here and we can watch it together. Come in. So we're looking at the SM or the spy right here yeah, in, yeah. in our news column. It'll pop up right here. Okay. Eight 30. Let's see. Oh, oh hot. Hot. Hot, hot. I mean, the market's hot, dropping. Hot. That's the algo jumpers. They're on it. We just lost. A, we were selling off. Sam Bagels made a good report. We were selling off into the Holy report. Holy shit. 353,000 versus 187. Double uh -oh. the estimate. Right, bro. Unemployment rate 3.7 came in against the 3.8. So, again, the expectation was for unemployment to tick up a tenth of a percent. It did not do that. And the actual numbers themselves, I mean, look at that. 300. Is that, got, oh, is that a typo or something? 353,000 versus 187,000 estimates. So, I mean, if, if the labor market, hot, 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 economy, hot, 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 not good news. If you're, you know, if all you care about is inflation dropping down, now below they're gonna, not, not, I mean, now they're gonna, we're gonna flip. Now, June is probably off the table. Who knows about September, right? Uh, now, the Fed, I mean, I don't want to say oh, this is this is also higher interest rates. I mean, this is, also, is the Fed done. Is there inflation? Whole new complexion of the market now with this hot number. We're falling like a rock. We're looking. We're going to come in. We're going to be unchanged here in just a few seconds. All those uh, highs are just uh, pre-market highs. Mark them down, folks, because you're not going to be seeing those in the regular sessions. If you have traded this from the short side on anything, let's see if we can get to unchanged. That's down to 28.50. It's hard to give you uh, a high of the day because after those numbers came out, the S&Ps just absolutely ripped. Still holding on to the gains, but uh, the, the bonds, they just lost a stick. If you're looking for a recovery in the market, you want to keep an eye on the bond market and the TLT. Just got a little little bounce here off uh, 49 to 34. Aaron, you got any more details on the hot? Jobs well, done. so, you know, we also see uh, average hourly earnings up six tenths of a percent versus three tenths of a percent. And, uh, you know, outside of just the jobs numbers and unemployment number, the, the wage numbers are really what the market looks at when trying to predict inflation. So if you see wages growing faster, typically that means uh, that inflation will be stickier. So, uh, you know, the market's not going to like that. But what I what I kind of see happen with this stuff a lot, Joel, is like you said, the you know we saw the market get shellacked right when this number came out. It went the uh, as the spy went from up about 0.65 percent to to up only a quarter of a percent, uh, and then everyone's selling because they're like, oh my god, rates, 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 inflation, 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 and then the market drops a little bit, and then you have some buyers coming in saying, 
hey, the economy looks pretty good. I know. It's, hey, it's, I, should, it's, I, should, yeah. I should I should buy stocks because the economy looks pretty good. And, and I think both of those things, you can argue, make sense. I, I I think what you had though is you had a lot of fluff in the market because of those uh those uh numbers from Meta and Amazon. So you know you just you, you had you know a, a thirty handle rip after hours. You're so far over fair value that you know people were probably they were looking to sell anyways because you can see we did hit seventy four fifty overnight. We lost 16, 17 handles before that. So I just think, you know, a lot of times you get the reaction to the number, but I think a lot of times it's like the setup and the setup was just a lot of fluff in the market here, but uh, we'll see. I mean, we're acting like the world's, you know, caving in here, bonds down a point and a quarter. As I said, if you're looking for a rebound, keep an eye on the bond market. But uh, right now that Fed, like Powell, like what, what was he talking about? Like two meetings ago about, you know, lowering. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, it wasn't just two meetings ago. A year ago, he was saying, he said, you're going to see pain in the labor market to bring this number down. And we never did. And I think, I mean, I don't think it's like he was just, I, I think every single economist out there in the world told you that from the inflation rates that we saw around 10%, 40-year highs, in order to bring that down, you will need to see unemployment go up. You will need to see pain in the labor in the labor market. And we just never did. And yet inflation has come down. It's like, it's like, a lot of economists would have told you that is impossible, what we've seen over the last year and a half. Uh, it is 8.34 a.m. Eastern. We do have our guest, uh, our esteemed guest of the She's day. She's going to calm out. us down a little bit. We're a little, we got a little excited here yeah. off that number. Let's but. bring Dennis back in before we bring me, Sean. Yeah, and we'll give just, just wow. So we spoon-fed you guys. Guys and girls. <laughs> KRE. I told you KRE. I got short 4820. Did you guys get short 4820? Because somebody was sitting there with an iceberg, and I'm like, let them have it. Let them have it. It's 47. I've covered some of it here already for an immediate 70 cent gainer. After the but, number? They were they were bid after the number? Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, they're icebergs. Somebody was sitting there. They really want to carry. They really believe there was value there, Joel. I'm like, you got them. You got them at 48.20. It is 47.35 here. Now, I did cover some of it. I'm still short a little bit. You melted um, that pull, iceberg, pull a little Dennis. Bit here. I got, what's that? You melted that iceberg. That that iceberg, I, I think it got hit for about ten thousand shares. So it wasn't all me, but it was some of me. Wow. But wow. somebody wanted it forty eight twenty. I was like, "You got them. You want it on that hot jobs number? You got them." So, anyways, this I, is I was... what we were saying. Banks need this number not to be hot. Banks are getting at least the regionals, not so much the majors are getting hit a little bit, but the majors aren't in trouble. The regionals are starting to get hit. Here. What happened to people saying, oh, higher interest rates? That's good for banks. They'll be able to make more money. I mean, bet lower. I know, that's, that's your textbooks. That's not anymore. <laughs> not when, they, not when they sold all the mortgages. At, <laughs> when they sold all the mortgages out at two and a half and three percent to 30 years for everyone. Interest rates lower forever. Uh-oh. They're higher for longer. Ah! All right. Let's bring on our guest of the day, Misha Schneider. Without further ado, let's give her our very special Benzinga welcome when we come back. We'll get her thoughts on the numbers and what's going on in the market. Good morning, Mish. How you doing? Are you, can, can you calm us down a little bit? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I guess the best way to calm you down is that um, there were signs, obviously, Dennis mentioned the regional banks, that's always a sign. 
But even more than that, coming into today, after the initial earnings that we had this week, with starting with Microsoft, I thought the market's reaction, except for those individual stocks, uh, and even those weren't all that amazing, kind of gave us an idea that, first of all, we have to remember that earnings are also lagging indicators. It's what happened, not necessarily projecting what will happen. And of course, with Meta, they're talking about this great future that remains to be seen. But in the overall market, I thought the reaction was relatively muted even before the Fed. And then after the Fed, we had that one pop. So if you looked at certain things, we know small caps, right? Grandpa, we talk about this all the time, hasn't been able to get through. If you're looking at IWM, that 200 level retail, also super important after the strong, strong, strong consumer that we kept hearing about coming into the end of 2023 at the beginning of 2024. Well, really, it's basically been range bound, hasn't really gone very much, except some individual stocks have done well. And um, and then if you look at even the spy from the peak a couple of days ago with the gap down yesterday, it left kind of a weird topping pattern that could spell a correction coming from about five, 10 percent. So, I mean, that's the way you have to look at it. As Dennis said, it, or I think it was Dennis, you have that sort of mixed feelings as an investor. You want to see people working but you are counting on the Fed to lower rates. And I think that's really been the dangerous thing yes, in the market right now is, is that th when the economy is doing well, we have to get used to a level of normalization. And if that happens, it'll be actually good for the market after things sort of rotate and settle down. That's of course, given there's no major default in the banking system. Um, and that's also given that um, companies that have been able to tolerate interest rates for at least this long can continue to toler tolerate these interest rates, like you're saying with the banks. So, you know, at this point right now, I, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but I think we were getting lofty in anticipation and reality setting in. We talk about turns in the market, right? And uh, so there's, you know, we're still up 11 and a half handles. We're acting like the sky's falling here, but a long-term sustainable trend here. Is this a turn? I mean, do you think that this is going to make investors reevaluate, you know, where they're, they're pinning interest rates? We had what some people say it's six cuts this year. Also, what's the impact of this, you know, of this job growth, right? Instead of uh, a decline going to have on the inflation numbers coming up. People are out there, they're working, they're spending money. Is this, is this a major turn or is just a little blip in the radar? Well, I think it might be a rotation actually. So if, if, if let's, let's, let's say the, the perfect scenario is that the Fed obviously won't cut, but they don't have to raise because inflation doesn't go out of control and what will spiral inflation would not necessarily be consumer spending. Of course, we can see what could spiral inflation. It would be government spending the debt that we still have. Obviously, what's going on in the Middle East has been such a relatively muted reaction to the market so far, but you never know what happens there. These are the kinds of things that the Fed are watching. And so if that doesn't necessarily come to pass and inflation stays even around, if we're looking at CPI, this three and a half, 3.4, 3.5%, and the Fed funds rate can stay you know, relatively where they are, then what we will have is, I think, a rotation. I mean, obviously, growth stocks are in their own universe. 
but in terms of the rest of the market, we may really get to see what is actually real as far as what people are earning, spending. And that's why you have to watch the modern family. I mean, it's been so reliable. You have to watch those small caps. If they hold up, the market will hold up. If retail holds up, the market will hold up. If transportation holds up, the market holds up. If they can't make it, if we start to see numbers come down below 1900 in IWM, or if we start to see retail dropping below XRT 68, or even IYT below, let's say 255, it's trading at around 260 right now, then we know that the economy can't handle this and the Fed will have to do something. So I think, I think it's a waiting game right now. And IWM, actually, I would argue it's holding up fairly well, considering what's happened with the carry in the last couple of days. If you would have told me the carry was going to fall 15% two days, I'd say the IWM is hammered. IWM in the last two days is barely down. So, I mean, so far, I would say actually so good. Like technicians maybe argue it's failed at 200 and this is the eventual, you know, like this is going to bring the markets down. The bears are arguing that all over my Twitter feed. But it's been pretty bloody resilient considering that the KRE has really been hammered. And there's a lot of banks and there's a lot of small companies in the IWM that depend on lending. So, you know, higher rates for longer is not good for any of these companies. But I'd argue the IWM's holding up not bad. Well, yeah, absolutely. And there is some expectation. There were people expecting this coming into the year, but it hasn't happened yet, but it could still happen. Is more of a rotation into value and small caps, <clears throat> excuse me, and staples over discretionary. And maybe we'll still get that. And maybe that's the sign that we're seeing right here is if it can hold up, even in the face of KRE, what does that mean? Maybe things are healthier. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> My, my cough is contagious here. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe things are healthier than people like to believe. I mean, obviously, the narrative politically with an election year is that uh, the economy is doing horribly. But in reality, there are areas and pockets, of course. But right, things are not as bad as, as, as one would think yet. I mean, of course, everything can change. The other, yeah. other very interesting thing was... You know, we like to use risk gauges and a lot of the risk gauges are dependent on how the long bonds are doing versus the spy and versus the junk bonds. And they flipped to risk off a couple of days ago. So that also kind of told me that these are not right here, the buy opportunities that one would think that we had, let's say, a couple of months ago. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that if you really track right now not necessarily what's happening in the growth stocks, because like I said, that's another universe, but what's happening in the thickness of the market right here. And you really see right now with the impact of the jobs, the higher for longer, you know, the dollar's been softer, but the inflation numbers that haven't been all that hot, oil's come back down. And you can start to feel those IWMs, particularly the small caps in retail hold up. You may see a different type of rally as we go into February, March, April, before the Fed has to do anything. And maybe the Fed, you know, five and a half percent is not horrible if you look historically. Oh, that's it's it's like historically normal interest rates. And I remember when we first started raising rates above, you know, three, four percent, people were freaking out. And I was like, wait a second. I mean, 
if, if, if you're a company that can't survive 4% interest rates, then, you know, what are you doing? Because historically, that's just normal. Um, you know, right now, the market you mentioned, Mish, has been, you know, is kind of tentative going into Microsoft's earnings. It seems like there's this uncertainty. And I think the fear right now is that the Fed won't be able to cut rates like it was anticipated going into the year that there was going to be five or six rate cuts or whatever. But do you think that fear changes at some point now to that they might raise again? Or, or are, we, are we just at, at most going to stay where we're at for longer? Well, if you listen to Powell, I think he's really pushing for keeping things in an equilibrium right now. That's really basically what he's saying. I mean, and let's think about it. Realistically, if they have to drop the rates, especially as people were looking five, six, cups, <coughs> that's very recessionary looking. And we don't want a recession. So right now, that's why I say the market hasn't seen. I mean, I can't even believe myself saying it because I, you know, I tend to also be somewhat of a contrarian. But what I'm seeing right now is this normalization is healthy after people adjust their mindset to what that means. And you're right, some companies will not make it, but other companies will. But think about why they were in business for so many years, because they had very low interest rates and they had very low taxes. They could borrow basically for nothing and pay nothing. So they were growing basically on vapor and not on reality. So if we have a reset of reality, is that the worst thing? Provided, of course, there's no little crisis that happens you know, like I said, geopolitically being probably the biggest threat. Yeah, the, the issue the issue we have in Canada, which is set up different, is basically most of the big six banks, you borrow from the big six banks in Canada, they only ever gave out five-year fixed mortgages. So what we're seeing starting to happen in Canada, Canada is in an official recession, is a little bit of a different story because the higher rates have now curtailed consumer spending to a certain extent it's slowing down and i talk to people all the time and you know we've only had higher rates here for the better part of a year and a half so there's lots of people that are just st still sitting that five-year fixed mortgage they're like two years into this like well the rates will be down by 2025 i'm like well what are you going to do if the rates aren't down by 2025 it's like well i'm going to go out for dinner a lot less is what their normal response is different story in the states with everybody's got the 30-year fix so it's um not hitting as hard in the U.S. as it might be hitting in other countries here. So we can support higher for longer in the U.S. better than they can support, support it in other countries. Um, so, but I'm with you. Like, if we can figure out how to, you know, have a little bit higher rates, like this free money thing, you know, couldn't last forever. And we've been, you know, this, like you said, so many small businesses just operating on free money and maybe taking projects on because, you know, if they got a three percent return on it, well, I can borrow for one. I'm picking up two. Some of those projects, you know, might just go on hold here too. And maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. But there's certain companies, here's my question, there's certain companies that have still been thriving in this environment. I mean, technology stocks were going up all last year despite rates still climbing. So, I mean, is there pockets like that you favor? If, if we're going to be higher for longer, are there pockets and, and stocks that you favor in that environment? Well, yes. And in fact, let's look at the consumer because a couple of things you just said are so interesting to me. And that is that even here in the United States, I think there's a shift from let's travel, let's go out to eat. And, and I started out this year, I coined the phrase vanity trade for the consumer where people go from it was all about we to all about me. And I think the diet drugs really have been maybe the catalyst to all of this, because if you think about the trickle effect, 
of people now more and more and look at the stocks that are involved with that like you know novo came in great um and some of the the medical stocks that are having to deal with diet drugs are also doing really well so if you look at what happens with the consumer they're not necessarily concerned about the cost uh, as far as getting themselves to look better or feel better. So that's why we're liking things like skincare and beauty and fashion. And how does that overlay into also working out more and, and taking better care of themselves? So we, I'm starting to look at those kind of socks. Some of them have done very well. Abby was my top pick. That thing has just been flying. So, you, so you, I think you look right now at the socks that are reflective of how people want to take care of themselves better, which is another good trend, by the way. Uh, and then on top of that, you can eliminate the stocks that have poor balance sheets because of exactly what we've just been talking about. They can't handle the interest rates higher for longer and start looking at some of the small cap companies uh, in, in particular that have good balance sheets and can survive this and are actually growing on their own. And I think if you look at it with that kind of magnifying glass, it makes the environment tougher for the people who could just throw a dart and buy anything and everything went up. But it doesn't mean that there isn't any opportunity until we see a major reset. And at some point that will happen. But yeah, it's definitely um, uh, an interesting environment right now, for sure. Mish, before we let you go, we did have we haven't covered yet uh, earnings out of uh, out of oil, the big oil companies. I mean, you've got some pops in in oil up 76, 77. I don't know if it hit 78, but these stocks are not responding. Is this something that, you know, you're you're looking at is just, hey, if it hasn't gone yet in this kind of market with crude, it's not going or where you stand on, on crude and also uh, the big oil stocks. Well, I haven't really touched the big oil stocks in a while. Um, and so I can't really say that I would recommend buying a Chevron or you know, Occidental, even though we know Buffett still owns a lot of that. So I've barely been watching the futures market because people you know, ask me about pricing power, you know, like why, if you like miners, gold miners, shouldn't we buy Newmont? Well, you know, obviously the companies don't necessarily reflect the pure future, the raw material. So if we're looking at the raw material here of oil, there are some people who think that the prices are being held back before the weekend when things can explode in the Middle East. I mean, that's obviously somewhat of a conspiracy theory. But if you're just looking at the oil right now, it's doing exactly what we kind of expect, which is chopping around in a range between, say, $65 a barrel, which we haven't seen in a while, and $80 a barrel, which we kind of almost teased looking at WTI, but couldn't get through. And now we're back at what, around $72.5, a barrel. So we're at the lower regions. So I can't get bearish and say it's over. But I can't get overly bullish until we start to see those numbers clear that $80. And then we will know what that impact will be on everything we just talked about. This just great environment that inflation right now is kind of not at 2%, which I also think is unreasonable. And I still believe the Fed at some point, if they see things stabilizing, may say, well, maybe 2%. Maybe we're looking at 3% now because you can't have a growing economy and a 2% inflation makes no sense. Look at oil. I mean, that's going to be your X factor. And right now, there's no concern, even with everything going on, like I said, unless we take out $80 a barrel. Uh, and then maybe those uh, oil companies will look more appealing. But right now, I'm much more focused on the actual raw material. 
All right, we've been on the line with me, Schneider, running Market Gauge, giving us a fundamental technical look at the markets. Mish, always a pleasure having you on on this uh, busy job stays. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Mish. <laughs> All right, guys, that was me, Schneider, again. Uh, we've got about eight minutes left. We kind of touched on oil there real quick at the end with her. Let's go through some of the numbers real quick on these on the, on the uh, Exxon sure. and Chevron. I'll go up in our trusty Benzinga Pro. Exxon came in. EPS beat 2 bucks and 48 Just cents uh, versus 2 bucks and 21 estimate. Sales, $84 billion. Slight miss there by about a $1 billion versus the $85 billion estimate. Uh, you saw an increase, a declaring dividend, 95 cents a share, raises their dividend by 20%. So uh, that's significant. I mean, you see a lot yeah. of people own these value stocks <clears throat> for the dividends, but stocks still trading down just a little wow. bit this morning. I think it's people would rather be in tech than oil right now. That, that, the people rather be in tech than everything else. It's the tech and versus everything else trade coming back here once again. In November and December, we saw the buy everything market. This is not the buy everything market. We're getting separation here again. Do the Chevron numbers too, because we might as well do them both together. Yep. Let's pull up Chevron real quick. CVX. Go to our news feed here in Benzinga Pro. We got uh, EPS coming in at 345 versus 321 estimate sales. Uh, wow. That's actually a significant sales miss for Chevron right there. Sales at 47 billion versus 51. I wonder if there's a one time something in there. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's something happened there. We'll, we'll see. Uh, because it, it, it the stock's not the getting stock's up too. I yeah. bet there's more something one time item in there or something. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Included 1.8 billion of U.S. upstream impairment charges and, and 1.9 billion decommissioning obligation. So it's right there. Pros all over it. Yeah. So we got basically four billion worth of you know one time charges there. That's making up your difference. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because if you would have seen that number without a sound explanation. Yeah, it could get hit. It would get hit, but because you you missed by four or five billion or whatever, but then you have that explanation as why, and it's not growth concerns of the company or just sales down twenty yeah. percent, then you're gonna see the stock be okay. Uh, also raise the dividend by about eight percent to a buck sixty three. So why is Chevron up a little bit and Exxon's down a little bit? Ah, uh, it's just mixed reports. I mean, again, this is all you're talking up 075 percent, down point seven five percent. Yeah, marginal. The line is nobody really cares about chevron or exxon right now they've been you know just forgotten for a while here we're just not in the value market i mean we're in a momentum market where technology or bust ai or bust what's the ai in exxon mobil what's the ai in chevron there is no ai in exxon mobil or chevron so i mean that's where the market is if you're not if you don't have an ai story at this well, point hold on time, hold on here I, i've been thinking about history. it for about 20 seconds i got it when, you, when you're using AI to do your job, you've got more time to drive around and go run some errands and do other things, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Much, so you're not going to be able to you know, afford it. I uh, just want to quick uh, talk technically real quick on these. S&Ps continue to leak here. Uh, six and a quarter. It looks yeah. like we're going to go want, right five, here. Five-minute chart? What do you want? Uh for yeah. well, you know what? Why don't yeah, you, show the leak because that's showing long term. That, that's go. significant, and, and I want I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt Mish, but man, off, off that initial low, you got halfway back to uh 49.50, and then uh, another leg lower. You had to be cat quick to catch it. Um, I just real quick bring up the daily on the Exxon Mobil because I like to be consistent with the numbers and remember how that 105 just kept on holding as support. 
kept on holding that support. Bounce, bounce, bounce. We finally took that back, went as low as 95 here. But then where do you come back to the last couple of days? Where does your rally come to? Old support, new resistance comes up on your dailies in the last two sessions. In fact, an exact double top at 104.88. So you probably have someone perched there at 105. But right now, just looking at this chart on the monthly, I, I know the low of the move was way down at like 95.77. But this kind of looks like, man, if this can't stay in triple digits, I'm just because that's about halfway from that 95 to 105, I'd be keeping a close eye on 100. Uh, for CVX, uh, the resistance right now is a little easier to identify. Major resistance, the last uh, last couple highs, right at the 150 area. We're continuing the leak here, about to go yeah. unchanged on the session. And, at and we can look at the S&P and say, oh, the market's holding up pretty well, considering the hot jobs number. Bring up the IWM. The market is not holding up well. Up. What is holding up well is Meta and Amazon. <laughs> that is the only thing. And ETF effects, Meta. You know, some fun facts here in the QQQ, if you're looking at the QQQ. Meta accounts for actually, I'm just, I did the math earlier. Meta accounts for approximately a 0.7% gain in the QQQ. And Amazon's about a 0.3% gain. So between Amazon and Meta and the Qs, the Qs should be up 1%. The Qs are only up 0.34%. So you know what that means? The other 98 stock's got to be down 0.66% cumulatively. Now, again, Apple's helping the cause. Because Apple's now down six 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 is down. The yeah, that one eighty shaking there. That's yeah, they're oh. one eighty shaking. I would not want to be buying off that support at one eighty today on Apple. Sorry, folks. I just think there's too much pressure in this market. Spy going red. IWM this going red. red. The yep. only story that is going to matter today: Amazon, Meta, Apple. Yesterday's news, last night's news. Today's story is going to be: Can the KRE hold yesterday's lows forty six fifty six? It is challenging it right now. I covered my short. Um, so I'm all out here at this point in time, but I'm looking at it here. And that was just a day trade. I'm looking at it here and just thinking, holy man, this is, you know, a big level for it. It needs to hold yesterday's. And we don't want to start seeing these and regional banks all start breaking down to new lows. We don't want a regional banking crisis here, folks. That's not what we want to happen here. We need the market to stabilize. We don't want to see NYCB start crashing down and people talking about, you know, other things there. We don't want to see WAL start crashing down like it was yesterday. It was a very ugly day for regional banks yesterday. We don't want to see follow through, but this kind of jobs number likely gives us some follow through. So just to recap, kind of from a macro level, on Wednesday, Powell said that the March rate cut was not to be expected. Not should, likely. should not, not be likely. the base case. So not to, not likely. Thursday was the first uh, or the second day in a row that we saw the KRE at one point was trading down about 5%, traded down 5% on Wednesday after NYCB's earnings report. And then Thursday, yesterday, around noon was trading still down. You can see in the chart right here, I'm looking at the five-minute chart, was trading down again right here. And at that point, the market actually started to price in that there was about a 50% chance for a rate cut in March. <laughs> They're like, so, bank failures? Yeah. Look at those rate cuts coming so, in a hurry. So Powell's call, <laughs> Powell's call for no rate cut in March basically sat with the market for 24 hours, and they said, you know what, Powell? No, you're wrong. We're going to see a rate cut. And then as the, day, <laughs> as the day progressed, you saw the KRE come back a little bit, and then that helped quells, or that helped, uh, you know, squash some of yeah. those fears. 
And then the odds now are back down to 35, uh, 35%. It, the odds now, are moving with this KRE chart. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because this is the one thing that the Fed, if, if we start to see more banks collapse, the Fed will come in here and cut rates. So this That's is your wild card. The banks. This is your wild card. Everyone will be talking wild about the, card. Your, the, lab, uh, the labor data and the jobs numbers and how hot it was. And yes, of course. But watch the KRE today because, again, if you see this number, it's, it's at it's basically lows from yesterday right now. And if you see that continue to leak, I'm pretty confident that you will see, again, the odds that we do see a rate cut start to increase again. Because right now, let me go pull up our uh, CME watch tool. Again, yesterday was given it about a 38% chance that we would see a rate cut in March. Now, with that labor data, we've already dropped to below 20%. So, uh, you know, right now, it all comes down to can these regional banks hold on? And if yeah, they can show they hold up? Can we forget about their horrible mortgage books again? You know, right now we're not forgetting about it. They're thinking about the horrible mortgage books. The horrible mortgage books, folks, are not going away. The only way the horrible mortgage books go away is if the Fed lowers rates. So they don't want higher rates for longer. The one thing, and we've talked about this before the number, the thing that will get hit the hardest if we get a hot jobs number is the KRE. What got hit the hardest? It's down 2.4%. It got hit pretty hard. Dennis, Dennis, but before That's we That's actionable left, information we yes, give you here no, on the no, show, wait. folks. So are you guys are you guys ready? I know we're running a little over here. Are you guys ready for uh, a major Dennis rant? Oh, boy. Yeah. No, at 901, at 901. <laughs> I'm we, a little late we, for Dennis rants. We, we, we didn't get to this here, Dennis, but um, I just... I want to talk about Comcast for a second here. Oh, I know gosh. we believe it. And, and the reason the reason it's down, Dennis, is because there was some insider selling. Oh. That, well, that's what they'll say. They'll always have a reason <laughs> for it here. The main reason that Comcast and a lot of QQQ components were trading down was the ETF effects that we've talked about on this show before. Is on a day where Meta and Amazon are counting for one percent of the gain in the QQQ, and the QQQ is only up 0.38 percent. Apple helping. But Apple not helping enough. There's going to be a lot of other stocks that are in the QQQs that are down. Comcast, unfortunately, is one of those that is in the QQQ and is going to try to make up the difference. So the non-tech components of the QQQ are expected to be weaker today. It was weak before the number, is weak after the number. I would expect the non-tech components of the QQQ to be relatively weak unless we see some major reversals in Meta and Amazon. And that doesn't look like it's happening. Meta hasn't given up anything on this jobs number. Amazon's barely went down. It's down about a buck from the jobs number. Apple is trying desperately to hold the 180. It is bouncing and trying in the 180. We're clinging to support. Please hold the 180. I don't think it's going to hold. <laughs> All right. Well, it is 9.03. Joel, who do we got coming on on Monday? Uh, Jeremy Schwartz uh, oh. from Wisdom Tree Let's is uh, going to come. He's yeah, always giving, with you. yeah, yeah, always giving us uh, great fundamental information here. But uh, we're going to leave you guys here unchanged on the session here. Forty nine twenty eight fifty. Paul is right. Comcast yeah. is down because of charter. <laughs> so it's maybe a bad example. Comcast is down. But but we also have a lot of other components of the non tech components like Cisco. You know, Pepsi, they're all down 0.5%. So definitely Comcast would have been down. Well, anytime you Comcast see a, down a little bit more. Anytime you so see a company like Meta. It's a bad example. Anytime you see a company like Meta grow $250 billion in market cap in an after hours in a couple hours, I mean, that, money's, too that money's probably coming from somewhere. So people, you know, probably got to sell something. So let Dennis's point, uh, you'll typically the, see that. That whole list, which we could give you is 25 stocks, Comcast, 
And Cisco is on there. They just group it in there, even though it's a tech stock. KHC and Pepsi and T-Mobile and Amgen's on there and Honeywell and Starbucks. Man, those stocks be relatively weak, but Comcast wouldn't be down 3.68% because of ETF effects. It'd be down 0.5%. So you're right, yep. Paul. Charter, definitely not helping. Charter. We didn't get to charter earnings. We didn't get to a lot of earnings. There's so many companies reporting. I know. It's, it's crazy, crazy week. But we've had a lot uh, to talk about call, this Paul. week. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Smash the like, subscribe to the channel if you have not already. We do have all access starting up right after this, so stay tuned. Joel, downtown Detroit in the office. Thanks for coming in this morning. It was fun. Forgot my ice skates. Oh, man. All right. Well, we, we, they got rentals over there. We're, 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 Joel and I are going to go hop over there on the rink. Everyone else, have a great rest of your Friday.